Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me on the reunion tour, I have Logan Mallory here. He is the VP of Marketing at Motivocity. And uh, what a great talk we had on episode 119 when he was on quite a few months ago. But uh, today's a new day. So Logan, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Sam, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm flattered to be uh, part, of, uh, part of a second round here. So thanks, thanks for having me. You got it, man. We uh, had such a good talk last time. I actually had people specifically bring up your name in conversation and say, man, I loved that talk with Logan Mallory, that, that VP marketing out in Utah. And I'm like, that Logan, Logan, Mallory, yes, that was such a cool talk. So I had That's, people bring you up. <laughs> I, I feel that same way. I'm like, who are you talking about? So they, uh, they, they must, uh, they must've been paying a lot of attention, but I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot to learn and, and a lot to share. And I, I hope something in there was valuable for, for the audience. Yeah, man. And that makes me even more excited about what we're going to talk about today, which is, you know, the live events. Uh, some people kind of, have a stigma against them because B2B tends to be just straight up boring. And I think we'll get into that a bit here in the talk, (laughs) but um, you guys certainly did not take the boring route with your event. And for many B2B marketers listening to this events could be on the horizon for them for 2022. But before we get into that, uh, I'd like to open this up with a fun little question. So I try to mix it up on the show. And I guess the one I'm going to ask you is if you had to choose between a vacation on the beach or a vacation up in the mountains on a lake getaway, what do you think you would choose? Dude, I'm a lake getaway. No question. Really? Uh, I grew up, I grew up in Michigan and, um, there were lakes, you know, basically lakes every 10 minutes away. And, uh, I just love the isolation of, of trees and forests. So I like a good beach vacation as much as the, uh, as the next 37 year old male. But, um, I, I like, I like the, the solitude of, of the, uh, of the, of the forests. It is pretty, you know what I want you to have put, Oh, I want option C what's option Uh, C. Option C is on my bucket list and get this. I'm surprised at how many people don't know this exists in Iceland and in the Netherlands, they have glass igloos where you can sleep out outside Well, you're outside, but in this glass igloo, looking at the Northern lights. Wow. That's yeah. insane. You I would do it that. It's I, awesome. I would totally do that. <laughs> now the bad side is if you travel all the way there and rent a glass igloo and then it's cloudy or the Northern lights aren't there. So like you got to plan it well, but that's, that's on my bucket list. That's awesome, man. That, that might just be one that I have to add to mine as well. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, Logan. Um, let's jump right into this. So let me set like the, the premise here. So basically in some context, basically you guys attended a national event, you and your marketing team, right? And your booth was in size smaller than everyone's there, right? But you guys had for the, the most, most part, uh-huh. yeah, for the most part. Um, but you guys had the most traffic out of anybody at the event and the energy surrounding you and your team. And even the people that kind of were around your booth was pretty infectious and it was really high. Did I kind of sum that up well? 
Yeah, I I like erring on the side of caution. I don't know that we had the most in the whole place, but certainly compared to booths of our size, yeah. and and we had a disproportionate amount of traffic for the size of our booth, uh, and and it was a really really successful event. So we were we were thrilled with it, and uh, and I'm excited to talk about it and share a couple pointers with uh, with your audience today. Yeah. So what I want to do with this is really kind of dissect ground zero when you guys started to, Hey, we're at the event. We just executed. We're done. This was incredible. Um, I think that that would be really helpful for other marketers. Like I mentioned in the beginning, a lot of them can and might be starting this up, or maybe they already have uh, here in 2021, but especially looking ahead to 2022. Um, So my first question is when you got your team together, I would love to hear your brainstorming process. And I was going to leave everybody hanging as to like what the booth was. We'll get to that. But I would love (laughs) to hear like, when you sit down with your team, what does that process look like? How do you get the creative juices flowing? Yeah, Uh, I I think, well, there's a couple answers there, Sam. The first one is uh, it's really hard to force those creative juices. And Mm -hmm. so I think over time, like this wasn't a one meeting event, right? We didn't sit down and get it. Uh, in fact, there were times where we sat down and kind of looked at each other and just thought, we're not in the zone today. This isn't, this isn't going to happen. And so uh, I, think, I think like allowing people the right energy before requiring that we come up with the ideas was really uh, helpful. The other thing that I think is important is um, we went to this national show, which had, <clears throat> I don't know, seven 7,000 something uh, attendees, but we also did a few events before that that kind of got us prepared and kind of helped us learn a couple of things. So for example, we did a Siete de Mayo party here at the office, right? And we brought in some food trucks. It was kind of right as people were getting out of COVID and spring was hitting. We brought in some food trucks and we just invited people to come have lunch with us in the Motivosity parking lot mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, put on a little bit of a party. We did a few local events, one other up in Northern Utah, we did a statewide event in Salt Lake. And, and so I share that because we had a couple rounds of smaller like prep events where we were like, all right, that worked awesome. This needs to change. And so before we were like on the national stage, we had, we had had a few rounds to really learn from our mistakes and our successes. Mm-hmm. So when you guys finally sat down to kind of come up with some ideas for this national event, had you guys been writing down or kind of bullet pointing some ideas that you had pulled from those other events when they happened? Like, Hey, someone on your team, Logan, I, you know, this was amazing. Maybe we can implement this in, you know, this event down the road. Was that how that worked? Or was it, you guys kind of flushed back out the ideas of the events you had and just kind of pulled from those? We're a very real time team. And Mm -hmm. so we will typically leave an event or end a webinar or whatever we're finishing. And then we'll like turn our chairs towards each other and dissect it and debrief. Mm -hmm. So the reason that we do that rather than delaying it is because we want it to become part of our culture. What went well? What could we have done better? And it's not formal. I'm not saying like we all pull out our tablets and our, and our, you know, pencils and write down we just turn and talk and dissect and, mm-hmm. and we're very, I would say vulnerable. Like we're not afraid to say, yeah, this sucked. That did not go the way we wanted it to. And, and, and so it's a little bit of our team dynamics to finish something, turn and look at each other, dissect it. And then it just, the, the findings become part of us rather than, you know, down the road. 
Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you had, you know, you know, you and I had talked about this before is when you, when, with this event, right, you yeah. had to pull off the energy, like otherwise <laughs> it would have flopped and it wouldn't have had the same uh, impact that it did. Um, how did that kind of dictate the conversations that you had with your team before you ever got to the convention center or wherever this was at? Um, I mean, one example of that is we were really intentional about who from the company we, we invited to be there on the show floor. And Motivosity is filled with A players, like plenty of people who can represent our product well. But our number one goal was energy and like excitement and passion. Mm-hmm. And so that determined who we you know, put on a plane and, and took down with us. Um, we could have prioritized other things and just as easily have brought other team members, but that was our number one goal. Like, how can we help people at the show see how much we love what we do? So I think, you know, that was important to us was, was thinking about who was, who was there. Uh, I think Motivosity is really fortunate because that's part of our brand and we know it. Um, but even then, I think that it's important that even if your brand isn't like necessarily lively and has a Yeti like ours, you have to be energetic and proactive at events. If you are passive, if you are standing behind the booth, if you are waiting for someone to engage you, it just falls flat. And so um, I, I had I had told you the story about, and, and I don't know if you want me to tell the story yet Before, or if I'm yeah. ruining the punchline. We had this like line of people at our booth, like people were, were just stacked up and I'm like trying to get behind our booth. I'm trying to like reach around, you know, that little, uh, chest high carpet that, or the chest high, um, railing that separates booths. I'm trying to get to our t-shirt boxes. Cause we were out of large t-shirts and we needed more and like, I'm sweating and tired, but having fun. And the lady and the guy in the booth next to us were sitting in their chairs at their table and they were just sitting there. There was not a person at their booth. And the woman said, I heard her say, and I'm sure she's a really nice person. So this is not a job, but she said, um, oh, I am deleting all of my junk mail and I just get so much junk emails these days. And I kind of had to laugh because I was like, you were at an event deleting junk mails Mm -hmm. instead of being at the event and drawing people in. And I think it's energy and, and that energy does better when it's attached with a level of confidence, but energy is a key at events. People, people don't want to feel awkward. They're a little bit awkward anyway. And so if you can bring energy, which eliminates the sentiment of, of feeling uncomfortable, people will be drawn to that. And our event at Sherman, and excuse a little bit of arrogance here, Sam, our, our event at, at that National Society for Human Resource Management show um, was evidence of that. Mm-hmm. And was that something that you had to instill and kind of remind your team of, or because it was part of your culture, it was like another, yeah, another a walk in the park for you guys? Um, both. Mm-hmm. One, we had people who were naturally built for that. But two, we did a lot of work to prepare them. So before we left for Sherm, we, for the, sorry, I keep saying Sherm. Um, for, before we left for the event, we sat people down and we helped them understand the goals and the mm-hmm. objectives. When we got there, we had them, you know, huddle the, the morning before and we did like a, a retraining and a reminder. Um, the, the evening after we did a debrief and said what worked, what didn't. And we changed some of our plans and the morning, like, like we, you know, you don't, 
you don't coach a football game or a basketball game and, and never tell your teammates and your team members what, what to, you know, what's going well and what's not. Mm -hmm. And so we used those breaks to, um, to really like remind people why we were there. It didn't take a lot of reminding because of the talent we've got, but um, we, we did take that. And then don't let me forget to tell you about our after hours stuff. Cause I think that okay. made a big difference. Let me, I'm going to make a note of that. Cause we'll get to that. Um, so how long did it take from start to finish, like concept to the end of the event for you guys to plan this? Was this a month? Was it three months? Walk us through that. Uh, it was probably, I mean, with different levels of intensity, we probably, you know, spent, spent four months discussing it. And then the last two months really focused on it. So, uh, you know, clearly your intensity increases as it gets closer, but you start saying, Hey, you know, we've got, we're going to this event. Uh, how big is it? And therefore how much are we willing to invest? Right. Or what are our resources? How much can we put into this? And, and so there's kind of these like high level decisions that are more about what are your objectives? And then there are the tactical decisions of, all right, how are we, what's our ground game? How are we going to get people to our booth? What can we do in advance to create some buzz? Right. And, and so um, the intensity increases as the event approaches, but all in all, we probably spent four months with some level of focus on it. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right. So let's walk through. Now, let me add, let me add one more thing. Even though we had done other events, mm -hmm. this was the biggest one that this crew had done. And like full disclosure, I'm, I'm not an events marketer. Like that's not my background. <laughs> yeah. So I, I learned a ton and on this big kind of national show and it will never take us four months again. Now we'll still spend a lot of time, mm -hmm. but we know so much and we like learn so much that we can condense that, um, that time period. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense because you can learn, right. And then implement next time. I think a lot of people get intimidated, whether it's an event or a brand new marketing campaign or anything. And like the first time you do something new, of course, it's going to take longer, but it is encouraging yeah. to hear like, Hey, you know, it's almost like an event in a box. Like we're and obviously you're not going to cookie cutter everything, but as an example, you'll get better as you go, whether that's launching a podcast, um, posting on, on LinkedIn, uh, doing events, it will come with time. Yeah. The learning, the learning curve, uh, is real and then it dissipates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's walk through your booth. Uh, this is where you can kind of reveal what you guys had going on. I'd love to hear like from the start of the event to the end, what, it, what was driving, um, the people to line up. Like, I think you, you guys had an incredible idea with what you guys pulled off. Give us like the rundown, like we were there at the event with you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, really quickly before that, like, again, totally a team effort here, right? Like this, this was the result of a lot of people working together. We um, hired on a, a, a friend and a, someone that we had worked with in a, in another organization to, to come and, and do some, uh, some consulting there. And so for sure, a team effort. So I, I don't, what I don't want is people to end the podcast and say, wow, that Logan Mallory thinks he's great <laughs> because it was a lot of people that helped and, uh, and, and made, made the event. So 
typically at an event, you know, on average, you've got a 10 by 10 booth. That's kind of the smallest size of a booth that you've got in the floor space. We decided that we wanted to have a little bit more of a presence than that. But again, we weren't really sure how we would perform. So we just got a 10 by 20 booth. So we had a little extra space and we mentally divided that booth into two sections. Um, though they flowed together really well. So half of the booth is exactly what you would expect. We had, we had you know, a, a truss set that you can build on site and has kind of some wraparound design that promoted motivosity. And, and another cool thing was we actually, this was the first time that our new brand with uh, our, our new brand images were in the wild. We had, we had just launched a new website a few days before. And so Carl, we've, we've got a Yeti as our mascot. Um, and so our Carl Yeti was on the big booth and he's this big white blue faced, um, you know, Yeti. And, uh, and, and the tagline is happiness at work is not a myth. Right. Um, and so we, we had that up and it was a nice, big, bright, um, trust set. And, and, you know, we had all the things you'd expect. We had a TV running one of our promotions. We had a kind of a cocktail. We had two cocktail tables where our sales reps could do demos. On the other half of the 10 by 20 is where it started to get a little bit different. So along the aisles, we had, uh, and, and we were at an aisle section, right? So, so two sides of our booth had aisles on them. Um, we, uh, we hired a photographer and we put him in there and he was doing free headshots throughout the event. So if people needed to update their headshot for LinkedIn or for a website, we had that, that photographer there. He was amazing, took great pictures, and then you could immediately text it to yourself. And then, so that was kind of where people would enter the booth. Then we had a big giant six foot Plinko board and a giant shelf of really nice swag. We don't, we don't, we do nice swag at Motivosity. So high quality shirts, Travis Matthews hats, like the ones I'm wearing. Uh, we had cool pickleball paddles. We had simple modern um, tumblers and they were really high quality mm -hmm. swag items. Um, but what that experience created was it meant that people at the booth were spending a lot of time with us. And it wasn't awkward time where they were mm -hmm. kind of looking around for the tchotchkes on the table. They came in, they got their headshot taken. The headshot crew ushered them to the Plinko board. They played Plinko and won some swag. And then the Plinko team introduced them to the account reps or whoever was doing the, you know, the, the, the pitch, the, the elevator pitch. And so by the time people were done, even if they didn't sit and listen to a full pitch, they had spent five or six minutes with Motivosity. Mm -hmm. And that was when we got to expose our energy and excitement. And that kept a lot of people there for longer than, than you know, you would stay at an average booth. That's awesome. Now you had Sorry, said... Sorry, that was a monologue, Sam. That was a podcast host's <laughs> worst nightmare. <laughs> no, that's what I was hoping for. But so you had mentioned when we had talked before that on, cause you were there for a couple of days, people started uh -huh. to, to catch on. Right. And you had people like almost getting ready for these pictures. Right. Explain what that looked like. Yeah. So it was, it was funny the very first day and I need to, we need to talk about the ground game cause that's another key part. But the, the very first day um, they opened the floor show, the expo with uh, with an open bar. Right. So people had been traveling all day. They were a little sloshed. And so when we were out trying to get people to take headshots, a lot of them kind of looked at us and they were like, 
I look like a train wreck. I'm not getting a headshot. Right. Mm -hmm. And we said, no big deal. We'll be here all weekend. We'll be here all week. Come when you're ready. And so the first day people kind of trickled in and it was kind of like, you know, there, there were a handful of headshots. The second day there was a pretty consistent flow and people like one weren't drunk and two hadn't been traveling. (laughs) And so they were there like taking, taking headshots on the third and final day. I kid you not. The show floor opened and we had people like running to our booth and they lined up down the side of our booth and their hair was done. Their makeup was done. They were in their nice professional clothes and people literally said, I waited until today so that I could get ready and, and have a really nice headshot. Mm -hmm. And so um, it ended up that we were a destination. We weren't, we weren't just another booth, you know, a 10 by 10 in the, in the sea of booths we were a destination that morning and it was awesome. Now, weren't you guys also wearing uh, some funky shoes? What, <laughs> what was the strategy behind that? So um, we worked, uh, again, I had mentioned um, this friend that we, we pulled in and that helped with the event. Her name is Kim Olivers and, and she's involved with uh, Envy Incentives. And um, I've worked with, with Kim multiple times at a different organization and Kim is fantastic. So we had her come out with us and, and you know, support us through this event. Um, and she shows up and we're like building the trust set and she pulls me aside and she's like, Logan, I found something. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, I got a present for everybody that came and I want to give it to them that when they get here for the show. And she's like, I got everyone big giant Yeti slippers. And so again, the Yeti is our new mascot. It's on all of our handouts and our flyers. It's on our, on our uh, booth. And at first I have to admit, I was like, that's kind of weird. And I'm not sure what to do with that, Kim. (laughs) And she said to me, she said, you get to choose. If you think it's fun, great. If not, it's just like use them. If not, no big deal. And, and she told me later, she said, I knew you would either catch the vision or politely decline. And it would, it would be fine. Um, And so we gathered everybody around before the show opened and Kim handed out the bags and like everybody laughed because they're these big giant, like, they're like basketball player size flippers essentially. Right. And everybody laughed and our CEO who was there um, lit up. And that's when I was like, all right, if he lights up, this is good. Mm -hmm. So what we did is, is we left people at the booth and they put on their Yeti slippers and think about that. You're walking around, you're like, you're, and and all of a sudden you see this bright blue and white foot, like, of course, you're going to like wonder what that is. Right. And so one, it did pull people into the booth Two, we had handouts saying, Hey, come get your free headshots at, you know, booth 12, whatever. And, um, as I walked around to the floor, so people are getting drinks, people are lining up to come in. And I just walked around handing out cards saying, come get your headshot at our booth. But what happened was I had superpowers because of the slippers, right? Like I wasn't afraid. I was already goofy. It like gave me all this um, confidence. And then what would happen is people would do a double take. Like they would like see the slippers out of the corner of their eye and they do a double take. And I would look at them and I'd say, I wore these slippers just so that you would look at them. And then I'd say, we're doing headshots, come over and hang out with us. And so we had women wanting to buy our slippers. We had people coming to the booth saying, how can I win slippers? Like they, they were 
unbelievable. So I guess what I'm not saying is everyone should go buy a Yeti slippers for events because one, it made sense with our energy mm-hmm. and it made sense with our brand, right? Like, like it worked, it all aligned. What I am saying is with Kim's help and with the team's energy, we found a way to stand out in what's otherwise kind of a boring, stiff, formal mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that really sticks out to me is B2B has a stigma of being almost like boring to boring. I can't remember if it was you that said that to me or someone else, right? <laughs> I but, wish I could take credit for that. That was not me. I yeah, well, I'll just that. say right here, it wasn't me that came up with that, but someone did tell me that. And I can't remember exactly who it was, but that is, people ask me all the time, like, where do you see B2B marketing going in the future? Right. And for one, we have a cheat code because we can look at the B2C world and anything that happens over there, you give it two or three years, it's going to happen in the B2B world, like 90% of the time. Now, one of the things that has not happened yet is the genuine interactions from B2B companies to their buyers, right? It is not, it has not been fun. It has been pretty boring. It's been quite stick in the mud and very transactional. And you guys are almost at the forefront or the cusp of like this, Hey, Let's be a fun brand. B2B companies can be fun. Let's interact in a genuine and somewhat goofy way. I mean, it fits what you guys do and you guys pulled it off incredibly. And I think that that can be a testament to people listening to this that B2B does not have to be boring. And if the B2C world can be on TikTok commenting on a 10-year-old's video because they're wearing Nike sneakers or the NBA can you know comment on a 15-year-old doing a slam dunk, there's no reason why the B2B world can't start moving down that path. And you guys definitely did that. Well, you, you sure know how to make a guy feel good, Sam. Um, <laughs> I like, like, I, I appreciate that. And I've been in the B2B world for a number of years now. And, and frankly, like that was one of the reasons that Motivosity pulled me in was because I, I saw that opportunity and I wanted that experience. Um, you know, like we have, we have our, like, we're all people, we're all humans. And it's weird that sometimes we act like we're all in procurement because mm-hmm. we're not right. Like, and, and so we need, we do have lives and we do have stories and like sharing those and that authenticity is, is working really well for, for the brands that are willing to stick their neck out and try it. It's uncomfortable at first and you don't always get buy-in. Um, but we're, we're fortunate at Motivosity to, to be able to run that direction. Do you think that because it's uncomfortable, there are a lot of brands not tapping into this and staying very reserved and just like, no, we're going to be professional suit and tie. And that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, like it's a muscle that I'm learning. Our, our CEO challenged me and the other day in, in a feedback session and, and I had a lot of generous feedback. And then he said, quick second guessing yourself. He said, you're, you're, you play it safe sometimes because you're afraid of getting in trouble. And he's like, don't. And, and so I do think, um, yeah, if you don't have a leader that has that vision, that's hard. Um, I did this webinar the other day and, um, it was with, a an HR thought leadership group and, you know, they do webinars every day and we were part of this like symposium or event about employee satisfaction and engagement. And as I read through the headlines, it was like, so dull, like mm-hmm. how to make your employees happy. Like, 
three things that employees want. Like it was so boring. And we did, um, we did tips for upgrading your team by Ted Lasso by Logan Mallory. And the whole, the whole webinar was Ted Lasso clips and lessons. And then me like weaving in some of my stories and like helping leaders see that change and, and, um, motivation is in their court. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I won't say people were like crying at the end of it or anything, but people had fun and like, they remembered that I had one of our sales reps today and he, he literally got out of a call and he's like, Logan, that lady was in the middle of a conversation with our competitor and stopped the conversation because she watched that webinar and wanted to at least let motivosity have an at bat because of the webinar. And again, like, that's not me, Sam, that's a company that lets us have mm -hmm. fun and that stands out right now. People that are having fun stand out in a world that's depressing and filled with a pandemic. Yeah. Um, so have you guys seen a business impact already from like what you guys have done with that booth? Because I'm sure people are wondering like, cool, like obviously you guys had a massive brand impact, which to me, that's really attractive, right? Yeah. And that's like, that's like cool. And if you guys have the freedom to do that and know that you're going to see indirect results down the road, that's amazing. But have you seen, like, did you guys get some demos right there? Was it like, can you see like an influx in, I don't know, website traffic or whatever you guys were hoping for <clears throat> after the event? So we, a couple of things we had, um, we had a significant number of people. Like we had, we had hundreds of leads to follow up on and those weren't, it wasn't like a lead list. Like that was people we had rubbed shoulders with. We had a, a, a you know, a, probably a, uh, probably around a hundred or so that were like really high quality touches where we knew something about their, you know, their band, their budget authority need or timeline. So like we, we were aware of, you know, that, that there could be a fit and we had some really great conversations. Again, there were, there were people that said, I'm at this show to solve an employee engagement problem. And I didn't even know what motivosity was, but I followed the slippers here. And now I realize this is going to solve part of the problem that, that we're mm -hmm. working on. So we got a sales cycle over here, right? And that event was in September. And so we're, we're definitely still working through some of those, uh, those deals, but absolutely there will be a financial benefit. Um, in addition to having 7,000 people recognize a really yeah. cool brand. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, like for me, that is extremely attractive to me, but then you yeah. get some like, I wouldn't say marketing sticklers, but some of the people that are like, well, we have yeah. to see like the financial results now, but it seems like in addition to the brand impact you had, like, yeah, there are some business results, which is awesome. And yeah, I kind of have to, I have to clear the air here because you saw it, but the people listening to this didn't, I like a bug just landed on my hand, bare hand <laughs> scared the crap out of me. So when you saw me jump a couple minutes ago, my soul <laughs> just left my body. It scared the living crap okay? out of me. So did it, yeah. Did it bite you? Whew. No, it, I like snapped it off really fast, but that, it was big. It was a big bug. <laughs> I'm glad you survived the attack of no, of November 19th. Yeah. Of what, whatever that thing was, but moving <laughs> on here, uh, this, this seems pretty awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Um, what I would like to do here is kind of give you the opportunity to close things out. I want to give the mic to you, uh, mix things up a bit here and give you the opportunity to ask me a couple questions, um, to close us out. If you have anything on your mind pertaining to marketing or, or whatever. So Mike is all yours, man. Dude, Sam, 
I cannot stop thinking about Mark Zuckerberg's announcement about the metaverse. Um, I'm I'm teaching this class at at um, BYU right at Brigham Young University right now, and it's a strategy class. And um, I don't know somehow it's not hard to get me on a rant, but somehow I went on this rant about about the metaverse. And if you if you're not familiar with that, it's basically Ready Player One, right? Like Mark Zuckerberg is basically saying we're all going to live inside of a VR headset, and you'll have clothes that you can wear there and fly to different worlds, and it's it's crazy. Um, what does that do to us, Sam? What's that? What is what does a metaverse do to uh, do to marketers? How do we how do we think about that? Any thoughts? I would think uh, you know it, this this really the metaverse thing has got me thinking because I. Th- like I said earlier, B2B companies especially do not have many genuine one-on-one personal interactions with their buyers. It's almost like we're these faceless companies. And I think that there are a lot of companies at the forefront of this changing that. I, For example, Gong has a really fun and engaging um, LinkedIn. They're funny. Um, they interact with people. They talk in the first person, right? Because you think yeah. there's just like someone behind the screen. And those are things that just like make the connection better. And I think that this would just open the doors to that. For example, I saw Nike and I'm, I might butcher like what they're doing. I can't remember where I read this, but they have like Nike, Meta Nike or Nike verse or whatever. And it's this Nike world that you can fly to and you can buy Nike shoes. You can buy Nike clothes. <laughs> And it's like Nike sponsored everything. It's like the city of Nike. And that's what I see marketing and uh, companies doing, right? The B2C is going to lead the way as usual. As you can see, Nike's already doing it. And it's just another way for people to have that brand affinity and the interaction at a personal level uh, with these companies. And it might be a little harder for B2B companies to pull off, but hey, there's creative people like, like you out there, Logan. So you never know what could happen. Well, I don't, I don't want to give my secrets away, but like, <clears throat> I think that COVID caused us to, to figure out virtual events mm-hmm. and we did it because we had to, and we wanted to keep jobs and, you know, like people wanted to, wanted to do what they could, but I don't think anybody was like insanely in love with how virtual events and virtual booths yeah. played out. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's one thing for the speaking, it's fine to be the speaker, but as a vendor, as, as a booth holder, people coming by your virtual booth <laughs> yeah. doesn't do anything. Yeah. But if you're in a metaverse mm-hmm. and you're in the HR uh, conference room and, and suddenly your booth is not just virtual, but it's a virtual reality booth. Like that could be kind of cool, right? Like, could, yeah. like maybe, maybe that's the way we do it. And we don't have to travel to Vegas anymore or like huff it through the conference room with our big giant banners maybe we just design those digitally and, and, uh, and attend the metaverse society for human resource management event. Even if you continue to do the live events, like it doesn't have to be a substitute. It could be something that you play around with at first. It could be like how you do your, you know, quote webinars. It can be how you do a weekly Q and a or AMA. Um, so many things. So that actually does have the wheels turning for me. So it's not just like, Hey, you're going to replace these live events. You could do both, or you could just do this on a weekly basis, whatever you want to do right. to have fun with it. Yeah. It, it really, um, it could change that having to be in the same room. It, it's a, it could be a blend between having to travel and spending the money and also not just being one face on a camera on a computer screen. So mm-hmm. maybe it gives us the best of both worlds. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. I am a, a sucker for free advice. 
So um, Motivocity is working on our landing pages right now. Mm -hmm. We've got a landing page that's converting pretty well, and I've been running some tests on it um, compared to other pages. But one of my big projects for 2022 is to increase the revenue coming from those pages by increasing the efficiency of, of where we send our customers and what we show them when we're trying to get them to raise their hand. So um, lead the way for me, will you? What, what should I focus on? What, I, what I, should I have the team think about when we're optimizing uh, landing pages on motivocity.com? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of simple, whether that's a landing page, a homepage, or website in general. So when it comes to landing pages, though, um, when you have simple, when you have clear, the next thing you want is a, a lot of times landing pages will be niche driven. So if you guys are selling into multiple industries, that's where you're going to be niching down, right? Now, once you've niched down, you want to still tell your story. So that is, what do you guys do? How are you going uh -huh. to make their life better? And then how are they going to buy from you? Now, the how are you going to buy from you needs to be clear. So that is, book a demo, uh, get a call. You know, I'm not sure what your call to action is. And then that needs to deliver, right? So that shouldn't send them to a form that asks 50 million questions and their kids like birthright. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. what do you need to get them to the meeting, right? Whether they book a time on your calendar or not right there. I see mm -hmm. the biggest, the biggest thing I see in B2B is like, they just ask way too many questions up front. And I get it. Like, maybe you don't want to send it to like your SDR to try and qualify them. And you're trying to get people to AEs or however you're structured. I can understand to an extent, but like, think about your consumer when, whenever they're on your website or landing page, like as a consumer, what would you want and what would be easiest to you? Mm -hmm. And think about the experience that they're going through. What would be important to them? And you can ask them, this just comes down to talking to customers. Again, this, you, I'm sure you know this is a marketer. It's benefits over features. As a SaaS company, of course, features are important, but lead with those benefits more often than not when it comes to a page because you have to pack a punch pretty quickly to get them to go, um, you know, click further or, or uh, go deeper into the site or, or book that demo. So that's like my rundown on ranting on, on landing pages. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, do you have a favorite tool or something you guys rely on for testing and optimization? Uh, hot jar. Um, nice. I don't, we don't do any AB testing through it or anything like that. I don't think they can even handle that. But my favorite thing about it is you can see in live time, what people are doing on the website. Well, not live, but it records the users, right? Yeah. So you can see where the hangups are. You can see what they're interested in. We've actually been able to debug sites, um, ours included, because we're just like, wait, why would they be clicking there? Or wow, that button didn't work. I thought we went through all this. Um, and it's a great way to just to, you know make sure everything's flowing nicely. And then on top of that, their heat maps are pretty cool as well. So you can see um, you know, what's getting the most clicks, where where are they, is their cursor going on on the on the screen? Where are they reading? Where are they pausing? Um, so all of that can get you uh, some pretty good insights. Um, I think even their free tier can be pretty powerful. Oh, nice. Awesome. I've, uh, I haven't, I haven't used that one before, but, uh, I'll, I'll check it out. Good. To yeah. Know. It's a good one. Uh, listen, Sam metaverse and landing pages. That's where my <laughs> mind is stuck these days. So you, you did it that we, we nailed it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Logan, this has been, this has been a lot of fun. Again, this was the reunion tour for those of you listening. Um, Logan, let me, uh, check your notes here. It was episode 119. If you really like Logan and this is your first time hearing him, uh, we had a great talk, uh, quite a few months ago, if you want to go listen to that. So go back for sure. But Logan, thanks again, man. But 
before we go, here we are talking about motivosity, and I don't even really think we talked about what is it you guys do. So give me your elevator pitch that you guys were sharing in the booth. You got it. Motivosity is all about making people happier at work. And we do that through peer-to-peer recognition software. So instead of an MVP award that you may or may not win once a quarter that comes top down at Mo- with Motivosity, everybody on the team gets a couple bucks and they get to use those dollars every month to say thank you to their team members. And we create an awesome culture of gratitude within companies. So if you're trying to figure out how to retain people, increase engagement, or keep people connected in a, in a remote work from home office hybrid environment, uh, Motivosity is a secret weapon for you. And uh, it's, it's a fantastic tool. I was a user before I worked here. And uh, when the pandemic hit, it was one of the very first phone calls I made to find out about Motivosity for my team. So it's a great, great product. That's awesome, man. Well, Logan, thanks again, man. Uh, 2.0, I think was even better than the first time we had you on the show, uh, but both were great for sure. So thanks again. And it's uh, you know a pleasure once again to have you on the show, man. Thank you. Thank, thanks, Sam. I'm cheering for you and, uh, and for the audience. Cheers. Cheers.